On today's episode of the Brad Owen Will Show, we're going to be talking about Kevin Porter Jr.'s season, you know, some things that he did really well, some things he can maybe improve on, and what to look forward to with Coach Udoka coming in next season. So stay tuned. We have an exciting guest as well. Welcome back to the episode of the Brado and Will Show. I'm your first host, Will. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Vice Houston. Over there, we've been doing a bunch of the you know the spaces, talking about everything. Houston Rockets, Eme got hired. We got you covered over there. Um, free agency and the draft is coming up, so we got you covered on that front as well. Um, and I'll shout out the um, Brado and Will Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter page as well. We appreciate the guy, all the support you guys have been showing us on that front as well. It means a lot. And I'll up to Brad. Yeah, as always. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, I'm barely on there, but you can tap in with me at Brad on NBA. All social medias, I got you on the cover. Stats, highlights, I promise you, I got you. But today, man, we got an exciting guest. We got Ali Khan on the show. Y'all got to check out his Twitter, amazing content. I mean, Rockets media reporter. But uh, Ali Khan, first time on the show. It's a pleasure. We, we want to thank you um, and let the people know where they can find you. Yeah, just mainly follow me on Twitter, Rockets under, underscore insider. Y'all got to be following my, my two guys right here, man. I, I, I'll be busy during the day, and I'm like, I missed something. Let me go see what my homies tweeted out, and I go check it out. So that's 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 how I keep up it. So y'all y'all make sure check out my guys here. But yeah, that's love. Appreciate I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, we can we can jump right into it. Um, today we have probably the single most divisive topic on like Rockets Twitter, Rockets fandom. Like I I don't think it's been a more the divisive topic uh, amongst Rockets fans this season, even just kind of in the past seasons as well than Kevin Porter Jr. Um, but like, like Brad said, we're going to talk a lot about uh, some of the positives, some of the negatives, what he can improve upon, and how we kind of see him being utilized um, under Coach Udoka this upcoming season. Um, so yeah, we can jump right into the positives and, you know, you can just give us anything you thought, you know, KPJ did well this season. What were your thoughts on this season as a whole? <laughs> it's very divisive. Um, no, look. I, I think there's sort of some context helps with Kevin Porter Jr., right? He became a starting point guard when? Two and a half seasons ago, right? He barely played, I would say, the third of a season whenever he came back from um, playing in the G League. Then he played last season full and then, sorry, second to last season and last season he played full. So he's now two and I would say two and a third, two and a half seasons into playing a full point guard role. Now there are positives and there are negatives. And I guess I'll focus on the, like you said, we'll focus on the positives first. He is probably the one guy on the team who I would trust being able to create their own shot consistently. And what I mean by that is he can beat somebody off the dribble and get to a step back or get to a pull up um, with would ease more consistently than I would say Jalen is at this point in his career um, than LP is and Jabari. And it's not a knock against those guys. It's just whenever your offense breaks down and you need a guy, you need a player to be able to come up with a shot late in a shot clock. I think hopefully we can all agree here that Kevin Porter Jr. is the one guy who is like, I can beat you off the dribble and I can get, I can get some sort of step back going. Um, and then in terms of catch and shoot, he continues to shoot the ball extremely well in catch and shoot. He was in the 90th percentile of catch and shoot, which is around 23% of his offensive possessions this year. Um, it's pretty good, 1.25 points per possession. He shot over 40-plus percent on not just guarded but also unguarded. He actually shot better on guarded 
catch and shoot jumpers and he did unguarded. So <laughs> I, I, that, that checks the eye test as well. Checks the eye test, right? Exactly. Um, you know, so just in terms of those things, I, I'm I'm happy to see his progression as an offensive player because we knew he was talented and he can score, but it's it's tough to be a person who can score when you also have the responsibilities of creating as well, right? Like it's almost six assists a game. He's one one of eleven players averaging eighteen points, five rebounds, five assists, and his second youngest in that list of eleven to do so. So he he's he's doing good things. Like from a young players, he just turned twenty three, right? So there there are some positives, but I'm sure as we get into, there are also ways for him to improve over time as well. Yeah, that was a really good breakdown. You're the first guest I've had to come on the show and give us some, some good, you know, specific stats from like a like a stat sheet, like a, what was that, Synergy, I'm assuming? Yeah, yeah, it was Synergy and yeah, some, yeah, yeah, some other that, stuff. Yeah. That made me smile. That made me happy. So <laughs> I appreciate you for jumping that. So I was going to come back with some stats as well. So one thing I liked about Kevin Porter Jr.'s season, he really had career highs across the board. Um, yeah. points, points per game went up from 15.6 to 19.2. Assists per game, that dropped. Um, I'm going to talk about that in the next segment. But rebounds per game, 5.3, that's a career high as well. Um, his true shooting percentage shot 56.5% um, true shooting um, from 53.1 the year before. But what I like the most about what he improved, he was a terrible free throw shooter last season. 64%, and he improved that 14. He upped that 14.2% to 78, which is huge for a guard, a guy who's going to be creating a lot of his shots, and he's getting to the basket, he's got to be able to convert those. So that 64% was it was it was bad last year, so. Happy he got that going. But when it comes to him, as Ali Khan mentioned, he's amazing at um, creating his own shot. He was in the 99th percentile in three-point shot creation, and he was hitting those at a pretty good clip. You can look at his three-point percentage on the season and see um, 36.6 and think, like, okay, he had an okay shooting season. But he's taken a lot of shots that are extremely difficult. And in 2023, he shot, what, 39.8% from three on over seven attempts a game. That's very good um, amongst point guards on a very high volume. I tweeted out that's in the top uh, four or five of my support guards in the entire NBA uh, on that volume. So amazing shooter um, can get to his shot, as Ali Khan mentioned, and that's something I want to see him continue to improve on. He's 23. He's very talented in that aspect. Uh, he was working all offseason uh, with his trainer. It's, I'm blanking on his name at the moment. I'm sure Will probably has it. But um, um, Chris Brickley is Chris Brickley, yeah, Brickley, yeah. He's, and he's going to start working out with him again soon. So excited to see how he's coming out for uh, next offseason. But those are my my quick little stats i think brad took the the biggest thing i was going to say which was the free throw improvement um because that was something that uh last season it was it was tough to watch at times because you know he was like the one for two guy you, you know if he was going to the line he's probably gonna make one of them probably gonna see the other one right um but this season you know obviously you still want to see it can you know to improve from 78 percent but to jump that high you know there was there was times where like i i no longer had like that fear that this guy's gonna go one for two now. Like I, I kind of believe that okay, he can he can make his free throws now, which is like a low bar. But when you realize where we were last season, where we are now, like you see what that was such a, a big improvement. Um, I, I think it's it's really difficult for me to say a lot of what KPJ improved. On. Like I do believe he improved as a player, right? I, I do believe he's a better basketball player this season than he was last year. But the reason it's kind of it's kind of like goes into like the negatives. I, I don't want to get there just yet. But I, I think KPJ. The, the thing with him is he you don't know what you're going to get out of KPJ every night, right? Because when he's on and when he's like, when he's good, I mean, he's up there, right? He's he, he's making the right reads. Uh, he's finding a way to leverage the, you know, balance the playmaking and balance the scoring. And he's making the right reads out of, you know, out of that uh, that mentality. Um, like Brad said, the guy's a bucket at times. 
Um, the biggest thing, right? So one of the biggest things that he, he did improve upon was getting his uh, his true shooting percentage up to like league average efficiency, which I think is really really important because you know he went from an inefficient guard to someone who's like um, I believe the league uh, league true shooting for point guards is like fifty six percent. So like Brad said, he was fifty six point five percent this year. Um, so he was actually just slightly above league average um, as for his position. Um, but yeah, like I, like I said, I, it's it's really hard for me to say like what all he did well because like there were nights where he looked like a superstar, right? Where he's um, I think that's like that, that Chicago game um, where he was – whoever it didn't matter who they put on him. He was moving him. We played the Celtics, um, I think, in December. And, uh, I, Brad, didn't he, like, drop Jason Tatum that game? Like He just he, had a nasty tween yeah. pass. And he just – with a right-handed player. Yeah. You know, so he he he's just someone who, like, you see you see the potential. You see where it is. You see – because, like, I, I consider all day type of what he's improved on. I mean, what, what he what, – I'm sorry, not what he's improved on. What he's – what he did well this season um but i feel like i feel like kpj has a very complete game um when it's on now like i said that, that's when the catch that it's, it's when yeah. it's on when it's on i think he has a complete game i i think there's very few aspects uh to the game of basketball that he's not like either average or above average at when he's when he's on um and like ali khan pointed out like he's probably the only guy on this team um you know who, who you can say i'm put the ball in his hands and i can can i can expect so like some type of advantage to be created now whether he's it consistently is a different question like i said he's inconsistent but he's probably the only one on this team who we can say we're gonna we're gonna let's take the ball up the court and create an advantage out of it you know i, I know a lot of people have a lot of problems with him playing point guard position and i guess we're, we're gonna talk we're gonna sure talk about that in the next segment but i do want to say that like at least for this season even last season he was the only one on the team who could do it right like if, if it if it wasn't kpj for sure wasn't gonna be you know, i love Jalen green but Jalen green like I think I think Jalen Green is a pro. There's a lot as a playmaker this season. That's what we talked about in his um, in his segment. But I, I do believe that KPJ is still a better playmaker in totality than J- uh, than Jalen. Um, Ty Ty was in a G League. We know Dacia Nix isn't that guy, right? Um, Jay Sean Tate, he was someone who kind of tried to you know play a little bit of guard this season. We didn't see a lot of that uh, due, to, due to injury, but you know it wasn't going to be him. And um, Eric Gordon, I, I've I, I don't even I, I I was over the Eric Gordon experience from like the, for the first game of this season, so. You know, for better or for worse, he was the best point guard on the team. And like Ali Khan pointed out, it's because he was the only, only people on the team who could actually like consistently create those advantages for himself and for others. Um, and so, like I said, it's tough, it's tough for me to talk about like the exact pros without also like talking about what he needs to improve upon. Um, so like, I guess we can go ahead and transition to the best as they want to add to like, the, the pros itself. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, there's a lot of different things we can talk about, right? I, I want to kind of go back to some of those positives but also how they translate into negatives he's six six just nice wingspan great size i mean that's one thing i've been really pleased with he's added on more muscle in his upper body so he's able to kind of defend those tougher perimeter players and we saw that in his first few seasons his first season and a half here right before this last season where he was able to kind of compete with those wings wing scores for other teams and take on that individual defensive assignment this season, he added, more, added on more weight, but I didn't see that same transition in terms of him being able to play better against those defensive matchups. I thought he sometimes struggled. And as I'm just going to pull up some of the stats here defensively that I wanted to be able to share. When we're looking at how he does in specific situations, right? Like against isolation, 27th percentile on defense. Um, coming off of screens, 27th percentile spot ups 31st percentile um defending a pick and roll ball handler kind of like based for them it was drop coverage to being able to navigate around the screen 
and get back into play with his size and length. 22nd percentile. Now, I'm a context guy. When you have a team like this that everybody was making mistakes defensively, it was not just like an outburn Shangun. It was not just a Kevin Porter Jr. It was the help. It was everybody else also. That all five guys contributed to it. That being said, it's pretty pretty poor percentage. He did best in post-ups, but that only constituted like 4% of his defensive possessions. He was in the 94th percentile. So like I said, the upper body strength lent itself to some success in that area, right? But when I'm looking at him and just the potential, the inconsistency you talk about offensively, I think to me, I'm I would love to see him have more consistency consistency defensively because he has that body type that you not only you could play him at guard, but you can put him on that opposing wing. And he has pretty good stamina. He he can play 35, 40 minutes. And I think the next step or evolution of part of his stamina and his growth is to not only be able to put in that effort and get the offense going for him, but also allowing his defense to also spark that as well. Because like you talked about, Will, you mentioned it, creating an advantage. To, to He's as good as anybody on the team right now, creating an advantage for others. If he gets the ball and he steals it away because he's pretty good at getting steals and he brings it up himself in transition and he attacks a specific mismatch, that creates so many advantages for Jalen Green, who he can get going. Alperin Shangun, Jabari Smith. And so for me, a lot. I'm going to start off as his defense is my number one area of improvement for him. I think that can open up so much more for his game in transition. He, he, one thing I, I did notice a lot of this season, talking about his defense, because I agree with you 100%. Um, I think KBJ has the size, the you know, the height, the, the wingspan, the athleticism. I think he can be a uh, – at best a plus defender. I'm not saying he'd be like a great defender, but I think I think he has the tools to be a plus defender if he decides no to lock in on, on 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 that side of the court. So I think one for him, um it's kind of I think with a lot of guys on the team, right? It's a it's a mentality thing. They have to like actually commit and lock in on that end. Yeah. Um but one thing that I did notice a lot with KPJ this year, um I, I think that he's better at guarding the the more physical guys i don't think he's the best at guarding the quicker footed guys right like i i think yeah. i preferred watching Jalen green guard the the trey youngs and the like uh emmanuel quickly i love kpj but what happened that like last i think it's like the last two-ish weeks of the, the season we played the knicks and, and quickly had like like 40 on him i think that's just because he's just too, he's just not quick enough to guard or you know i wouldn't say he's not quick because i think he can be but he i think he struggles against those quicker footed guards as opposed to, you know, like he, he did a pretty good job on James Harden. And James Harden, you know, is not, you know, a, a bad athlete or nothing, but he's not a quick foot, quick twitch guard, right? And he did a pretty good job on James Harden. We played uh, James Harden in Houston, right? Um, you know, other matchups like that where he's not being asked to guard um, the ball handler who's going to be going 100 miles per hour at all times. Like, I think those are the matchups that he usually excels at a little bit better. That being said, I still think that he can – I consider one of the areas of improvement. I think he can be um, – a plus defender with his uh with his with the, his skill set his size his athleticism i think he for sure can that's one thing like, we're kind of jumping all over the place here but with the udoka stuff like i think udoka is going to i mean not think i know we don't think udoka is going to come in is is preach defensive discipline and staying you know inside the game on that end of the floor just as much on the offensive side as well and i, I know udoka is also going to type of guy who if you're out there and you're not staying in that moment if you're making mistakes or lapses defensively you can come sit down and so I, I I think that that's one area that KBJ is really going to start to see some some uh, like I think Yoda's really going to help him out in that department because he is going to help keep KBJ accountable and and demand the excellence from KBJ on that defensive end. Yeah, real quick, Brad. I just the thing about him is like KPJ super passionate, right? 
and the thing about Ime is Ime is also passionate, but he knows how to ch- he knows how to take a player's passion and use it to positive use. We've seen that with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart, always bringing them together and having those open conversations. We've seen that in Brooklyn whenever he was in Brooklyn and how he helped those young bigs. We've seen that in Philadelphia. We've seen it in San Antonio. So I, I think he has that tr- proven track record of being able to engage players to channel some of those passions and energies to more of a positive approach. And I think that can happen with Kevin Porter Jr. here. And I'll give you an example. If the way I see this offense, and we'll get into it, I know more later, but we may have situations where KPJ is going to be on the right side as a left-handed player and Jalen will be on the right on the left side because then it's easier for them to kind of get to their spots accordingly. Jalen takes a shot. Who's the first person who has to be back in transition? Has to be Kevin Porter Jr. Has to be Kevin Porter Jr. He, he, it cannot be a situation where Kevin Porter Jr. is like is, – is more of a funny thing. But sometimes Kevin uh, KPJ would like – you know those like those inflatable like long like stick things outside of like a furniture store? They're like kind of waving yeah. around like that. It's like he would he would sometimes jog like that back in transition. I'm like, you got to be the first guy back, man. Yeah. Like like you, you, are, you are good enough. You are long enough where you can contest at the rim and, and run back with somebody. You are good enough to be able to set up a defense and also get onto a defensive assignment to limit a mismatch. Like you said, physicality. You could bring that, bring that physicality. Just that's not going to happen under Ime. Ime is not going to tolerate that. He's going to make – and if that ever happens early in the game, timeout, let's go in the Sit bench, down. let's talk about it. And, and Absolutely right. I think that's such a big part of it that it's going to allow – like Ime is really going to help KPT channel that energy and passion to helping him stay focused throughout a 48-minute game. Because like you said – both of y'all said whenever KPJ is focused, this dude is a different player. We've seen bursts of that against the really good teams. We got to take those games where he plays really good against those really good teams and have that over the course of an 82-game season. Yeah. When you look at Kevin Porter Jr. and where he's criticized the most, it's, it's really those three things. And the first one, it's not even basketball-related. It's just, okay, it's this guy locked in. Um, you know, obviously he had the incident last season. You know, he left at halftime. Um, and it's one thing I want to applaud him for this season. Um, nothing crazy like that happened, but one of the things that he does need to improve on is getting back on defense. That's one thing he gets picked on a lot for, like on social media even. Um, he's not getting back on defense. He's, you know, he's not the only one. He's not the only one. I was about to say that too, and I want that to be known. He's not the only one, but it's definitely, it's like putting a microphone, you know, under it because everyone's looking at him to be a perfect player now because he, you know, had those past mistakes. So any little thing, that happens, you're gonna you're gonna hear about it. But again, with Udoka, I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, you put that perfectly. Um, he's gonna put that passion to good use, and, and I'll touch on that later. Um, but the other thing, of course, is is Kevin Porter Jr. point guard, and people love to just kind of look at his game and not really look at his game, but more so just focus on the playmaking aspect of it, which isn't his strong suit. He's an all-around basketball player, as you guys both touched on. But playmaking, he's still improving. Um, he his assist numbers did dip this year. Um, and I think that's an aspect of his game that he can continue to improve. I think the freelance system that he was running, and they did run plays. Ali Khan loves to say this because people say, oh, the Rockets didn't run any plays. They're running plays, but it, I don't think they were beneficial for the type of guys. That's fair. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think for the point guard thing, Brad, and it, well, this question is for both of y'all. I think for me, it comes down to his passing. And I'd love to hear from both of you, where do you see his passing? Because I think before we even go into the reads and all these different things, we have to look at, is he able to make certain passes that a point guard has to be able to make? Just wanted to ask you both, do you view him as a good passer right now in his career? 
I, 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 oh, go ahead. You got it. Go. Okay. I think, I guess it, it's, it's so hard to talk about KPJ because he shows you he can do it, but he doesn't do it every single, or like at a, a regular enough rate where you're like, okay, like this is a part of his game. Like that's, that's what, that's what makes it so hard to talk about KPJ because I can say I've seen him make some like James Harden esque like skip passes or, you know, some stuff where it's like, I didn't even know you could make those passes. But then there's nights where he'll have, you know, Jalen open the corner and then he's not looking at it at all. And it's like, okay, well, I just saw you two nights ago make that same pass and now you're not doing it. So like it's it's yeah. it's super difficult for me to talk about KPJ because I think he has the ability and the tools to be as good as he wants to be. But it's just I don't I, I honestly maybe you can give some insight as someone who's like in the locker room or around the team a lot more than us. I don't know what it is that like prevents him from being able to tap into that every single night if it's like a if like they're telling him, hey man, go out there and just score tonight, or I, I don't know what it is. Cause it's it's like I said, some nights where he's making the right read, some nights where he's just playing Kevin Porter Jr. me first ball. And I, I don't get it. I, I think he's a young kid. And when you're a young kid and you're learning, first of all, like I said, I can go back to the context. Two and a half years. Now people can say that's plenty of time. Uh a lot of people don't like Kevin McKell uh <laughs> after he was a Rockets coach here. But one thing Kevin McKell used to say was that you are who you are after your third or fourth season in the league. And to me, next season is what I'm going to use as my like litmus test for Kevin Porter Jr. I think it's fair to give him one more year because then I'll fall under the three and four year kind of stretch for him. He's going to be a fourth year player. Um, you know, it, it's I, I just think it's fair at that point to be able to say in this certain role as a guard, what are, what are his capabilities? And then kind of going back to his mindset, when you're playing a point guard role on this team, your job under Steven Silas's team, sorry, your job is to not only create an advantage for yourself, but for others. So then that comes into how do I balance my scoring and being aggressive versus also making those passes to your teammates as well. I think he really struggles with that because I think his teammates also just struggle with maintaining that balance, right? Early in the season, not a knock against Jabari. I know Jabari wants his shots, but if a guy passed it to Jabari, Jabari's first instinct was let me put it up there. Right, no dribble, put it up there, which is fine. Get, get 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 him some rhythm, hopefully. But it's not just Jabari or other players as well, where you would pass him the ball, and it would be a a quick okay. Let me scan, boom. Okay, nothing's open. Let me go up. So it's I think it's not just on KPJ in terms of this whole this point guard experiment. It's also surrounding him with players who can complement him to be a solid point guard. Right now. I'm not saying I think he should be a starter next year's next season. I'm not saying he should be a bench player next season. What I am saying is I think it's it's fair to say that we haven't really seen KPJ in an environment where he's supported by veterans to let him make those proper reads. Now, going back to my question I asked you guys about passing, I bring that up because I think where Kevin Porter Jr. can open up his game a lot more is driving downhill and not only scoring but making passes. So this is a stat, and I I just I was completely shocked. You know, I was researching for the show, and I was like, let me look up some stats. At the rim this season, 30% of his possessions ended at the rim, or 40%, sorry. 25th percentile shooting at the rim, according to Synergy. I mean, like, it's pretty bad, man, um, mm -hmm. in terms of point per possessions, right? That's pretty bad. Um, I'm not happy with that. I think he should be a lot better because this guy is able to use his handle and his 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 kind of unique dribble 
kind of dribble array of dribble hesitation moves as hesitation dribble to be able to get a layup, but also be able to make that skip pass. Well, you talked about like he makes a skip pass one game and he doesn't do it. I remember explicitly there was a game against San Antonio in the preseason. It was not even broadcast on. 18. I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. So Jabari, I know yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> he makes that pass, and then I swear, I swear, guys, I did not see it for like multiple weeks, even a couple months. I Man, I don't even remember last time I saw him after that point make a skip pass to a corner. The guy doesn't have to make the shot, but just the fact that he, he would attempt that pass. I remember tweeting that out after that uh, during that moment. I was like, dude, this is a big development. If you can make a skip pass, this opens up the whole offense because five out is predicated on opening side to side, doing all these things. And I didn't see it from him. And, and that to me is a big deal. You can you can make it's not just about making the reads, like you said, right? Like he had Jalen open in the corner. But you got to be able to physically be able to make an accurate pass there. And so I know he can. I've seen him do it. The question is, is he able to do it consistently regularly? Or is it due to some other reason? And that's the question I have for him going into the offseason. Okay. Oh, yeah, that, was, that was a really good point because when you asked that question initially, I'm sitting here like, man, when's the last time I just thought like, oh, that was a great pass by KPJ. I, I, I could think of a million with Shane Goon, but KPJ, I can't really think of me. Like, He's cool. fast. He's he, he throws some fast passes. And he, yeah. I, I, I think him and Jalen have gotten really good at those bounce passes because they're just they're, they like throwing those pocket passes, bounce passes. And that's where LP, I don't want to talk about LP, but LP needs to get better at handling those bounce passes in traffic. And I think he will. But bounce passes are their, their favorite thing. So what do we do to not make it a bounce pass, but make it a skip pass in pocket, in rhythm to the shooting pocket where a guy can just quickly gather and release, right? Jabari is going to be in the corner. We already know that just based off of the way that Al Horford was utilizing the offense in, in Boston. Jabari is going to be in that corner in the wing, kind of doing different things. He's going to have to hit those shots. But it helps to get you in rhythm if your point guard gives it to you in your shooting pocket, right? So can Kevin Porter Jr. develop accurate timing with his shooters or whoever they bring in for agency to be able to help him be successful? That's a big part of it too. Yeah. No, no you made a lot of great points with there. Um, like playmaking, again, Kevin, I think he's an improving player. And I think under Udoka, I'm just looking forward to see what kind of role he's going to be utilized in. Um, because um, going back to his shooting, I mean, he's 43.5% on catch and shoot three. That's all I kind of mentioned. That was in the 90th percentile year before he was 48.2% catch and shoot three. So that's consistent. He's a really good shooter. I don't think that's going to change. I, I think that's probably just going to continue to improve or kind of, you know, level out. He, he, I can't. That's an that. asset. I mean, for sixteen million dollars and the way the cap is rising, have a guy a who bargain. can knock down those catch and shoot threes. Yeah. That's a bargain, and it, it all comes down to, and that's the big reason Ime Udoka was hired, getting this team focused and accountable to be successful. If you can have KPJ focused and accountable for an eighty-two game season, really good young player. Yeah, yeah, and I kind of want to blend, you know, the third segment, you know, with with um, you know this segment right here, you know, what to look forward to with him. He only shot two catch-and-shoot attempts per game. I think the exact number was maybe 1.9. Mm-hmm. And, again, last the year before that, he only shot around two. So this number needs to improve. We have guys like Marcus Smart uh, under Udoka who's taking around four-ish, you know. So Kevin Porter Jr., I need him to, to take, like, maybe even five a game. Like, he's too good of a shooter mm-hmm. to not be utilized to his strength. And that's what I'm looking for with Udoka. And as you mentioned, Ali Khan putting that passion to good use. Um, defensively, I think he could be a lot better, a lot more consistent. I think he can stay in front of people, but I think he's not completely locked in on that side of the court. Um, and that's what I have to see. I have to see that consistently. And it's going to be bumps in the road, I'm sure. Um, but call those timeouts as a coach. Get, get, get the young kids locked in. So Get him, get him, get him in high gear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then last thing I want to touch on, finishing at the rim. Ali Khan mentioned it. I thought 
he struggled at the rim at times during the season and a lot, a lot of times if he's 25 percentiles you mentioned so that's something i'm going to be looking forward to but it's good that he can get downhill create his own shots from three which opens up his game to get to the cup um just got to make that, that skip pass um find you know enhance that vision as a point guard or even a shooting or whatever role he's at um driving and kicking is always important so so i'm looking forward to I think uh, a catch-all term for like what he needs to improve on this offseason is just his decision making. I, I think that's kind of the, the the umbrella term you could use to his like improvement this offseason. Um, and like I, I'll go ahead and say this: I know we've said it multiple times on the show on the TL. I'm pretty sure Alec, you probably said it somewhere before. But Kevin Porter Jr., if he does continue to play point guard, which I guess we can kind of get into later whether or not he should continue playing that position. But like if he continues to play point guard, no one in this podcast on the TL group chats, wherever you want to, you ever want to have these debates at, no one thinks he's going to become Chris Paul. No one thinks he's going to become Steve Nash or Trey Young, you know, or like where he's this, this super cerebral yeah. point guard who's making, you know, who you can just give the ball and he's like your entire offense. Like that's not, that was never the, at least in my opinion, that, that was never what the idea with Kevin Porter Jr. at the point guard anyways, because that's guys like that, you have like, you're born that way. That's, that's, that's a position that you were like born and bred to play as you grew up, you know, in, um, in high school and college. Right. KPJ, I always thought was even closer to like the Jamal Murray's of the world, right? Where Jamal came into the NBA as a shooting guard um, and he kind of transitioned more into a point guard, kind of how KPJ did. And I look at Jamal in the in the in the playoffs, and one of the questions I was asking myself when I'm watching the Nuggets play, because obviously we have we have our own kind of like Jokic kind of guy in Shingun, right? So I'm watching Jamal Murray and I'm like, okay, like what what about his game can KPJ look and like incorporate? Like what makes those two guys different? And I think as far as like scoring, I think they are both buckets in that sense. I think they can both, you know, if you put the ball in the hand, shot like it's winding down, they can break down some defense and get a bucket for themselves, create advantage for somebody else. Where I think Jamal Murray differs from KPJ is I notice he's a lot better at recognizing those advantages than KPJ. And I don't think Jamal Murray is this super duper cerebral point guard. I don't think that like where he's at with his decision making is an unachievable bar for Kevin Porter Jr. Because like it's not like I said, he's he's a good decision maker. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say he's not, but like I said, he's not Trey Young. He's not Chris Paul. He's not um, Luka Doncic. Well, well, I think like within the scope of the offense, right? You mentioned the whole Jokic Shingun comparison. That can be a good kind of like pr- projection or like good good role model for him to be able to look at, right? In terms of style of play. Mm-hmm. Well, is that what yeah. you're saying? I think. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I said, I, I think that. I think a lot of people would, because like I said, we've been talking about, he's been a, a very divisive topic on Rockets Twitter. I think a lot more people, not even just be on him as a point guard, but as a player more. If And a lot of this is a product of the way Steven Silas run the offense. We, we did use him like James Harden. He was, he was I want to say like top 10 in usage this year. I'm not 100% sure that's the exact where he, where he fell out, but he was in the top 10 in usage this year. Um, and that's probably not where he should be. Like he had some higher usages than some guys you would think should be higher than him. And like, that's, that's that's not KPJ's game. It's probably not where he should be. Um, he should be. I think he should have a healthy diet of on ball reps and off ball reps, right? Where he's getting opportunities where people set him up, right? So like Brad said, we can get more opportunities to just catch and shoot and, and, and be a secondary tertiary creator, um, as as long as you know, as well as the opportunities, like I said, break down a defense from you know bringing the ball yeah. up the court. And so I, I think people would just be a lot higher on him as a as a player in general if that's how he was used as opposed to how he's used last year. And I, I don't know how you is going to use KPJ this year, but that's one thing that I do hope that he does is recognize, Hey, we got a guy who, what you said, was it 42% of catch and shoot threes this year, Brad? Yeah. 43.5% on catch and shoot. Yeah, so like, I wanted to bring up also real quick, cause you were talking about usage. I have some stats to put up. He had the ball a lot, 38.4% uh, uh, of time. That's 93rd percentile. His true usage rate was in the 94th percentile, 16% and his usage rate 
was actually in the 85th percentile. So total offensive load, um, they, they incorporate that on basketball index, good statue if you guys want to check that out. 92nd percentile in a true offensive load. So as you're talking about, well, you're on the money. You need more catch shoot opportunities. Wow. Yeah, just just lessen like the like not saying he should never be on ball. I think some people think he should just never touch the ball at all. And like I don't think that's the case. I just think he should have it a lot less. And like we have somebody who a lot of us believe a lot in in Alperin Shingun, who um, you know, at least for the time being, is probably the best offensive player on this team, especially as far as like running an offense. It, it not I, I feel like a lot of times if Shingun has the ball, it's gonna result in either a good shot for him or a good shot for someone else. And so when you have a guy like Shingun on your team who, like I said, for the time being is one of your core pieces, um, I, I don't see why, like, we shouldn't have Shingun, like, we should increase his load on the ball, like, you know, in the post at the top of the key, right, is use him more as an offensive hub and then let KPJ play a little bit more off of that. And I think KPJ can thrive in that role because, like I said, I, I think he's someone who, you point out, elite catch-and-shoot player. Um, and I think I think where he kind of thrives and, like, a, a kind of niche he kind of he can dig for himself is attacking off the like the advantages created by someone else. Like I, I can just see like Alperin Shingun drawing a double, kicking it to KPJ, and when the defender's closing out, KPJ like just drives by him. Right now, you know that opens a whole bunch of opportunities for like you know open shooter or dump off the Shingun like or lay up himself. Like, there's so many opportunities that come out of uh, of a play like that that I think KPJ can you know KPJ and Shingun can can make. Um, and I thought those, those opportunities we didn't see a lot this season that I hope like Udoka kind of incorporates next year. I. I think just you brought up the whole e-mate thing and how, how he's going to be used next season. I think we're going to see a lot more of like guard guard actions. And Kelly did a story with one of the Boston Celtics writer uh, from the athletic. And they kind of went into some detail about some things that they like to do. And even Jared, who wrote the story mentioned the whole guard guard action. What I mean by that is, and just hear me out on this comparison, not saying it's true. I just, I, I like to view when I'm looking at film from last year, and comparing to his Rockets team, I like to view the positional flexibility, this or uh, positional versatility this way. I view Marcus Smart as Kevin Porter Jr. I view Jalen Green as um, Jalen Brown, and I view Jabari as Jason Tatum. And you can now you could say, "Oh, dude, like Jabari don't can dribble at all," which is true. He doesn't have a he doesn't have a bag yet. He will have a bag, but he doesn't have a bag yet. But in terms of the the offense and the movement within high pick and roll. I really like how that's structured because Marcus would actually be the one who sets the initial thing in transition. His responsibility was push the pace, get things going, and then allow Jalen and Jason to be able to kind of play off of that. And I think that's what Ime will want Kevin Porter Jr. to do. It's like, Kevin, can be slow in transition, attack faster, get in the play faster, high pick and roll faster, right? LP, LP, you know, I give him credit. There, there, the, the, he, he gets a lot of flack on things, but I, I will give him credit that he he would run in transition on offense. And I think instead of him running down and getting a seal, which I think is a good thing, let him make that read. I think also him setting a quick screen in transition above a three-point line, allowing one of these guards to attack downhill before a defense is set, that's going to be a priority. Something we saw in Boston last year was very, very simple. High pick and roll, high pick and roll, high pick and roll. Get in the teeth of the defense, touch the paint, make a pass. Right, and those are simpler passes. Those are not don't don't even have to be skip passes. That can just be a simple. I get in the middle of the paint and I look left or I pass right. Right, and if I'm Kevin Porter Jr., I can make both of those passes because I like making those quick passes, quick reads. So, and we're also on the short roll. Alpi can do that too. So, I think we're gonna see a lot more high pick, pick and roll. And to your to your point, will just getting those two involved um, is gonna be a big thing. And then I also think there's an action called wide action. I, 
too much, not enough time to go over it. But wide action is something the Rockets ran a little in Steven Salas's offense, especially a few years ago. But you have a big at the top of the key guy coming off like a pin down at the, at the middle of the floor, and then a, a, a person who has the ball on the right side, kind of getting that, getting that kind of downhill, like making the pass so the player can go downhill. That's something I really do envision the Rockets running a lot as well. So if anybody who's listening or watching is interested, wide action is just if you look like Google or YouTube wide action Celtics, you'll see some examples of uh, of that from last year that I can see the Rockets doing as well. Let me let me ask you this, and I guess this is a question for both of y'all. Um, are you out? Just no, absolutely no way he runs point guard for you next year. Or is there you could see it happen? Um you know, just and like I'll say this at least for me, just to kind of set the stage for this question. Um, I, I, I the scenario where I see KPJ running point guard next year, obviously, if James Harden comes back, he's point guard. We get school Henderson, that's also point guard. So, like, removing those two from the equation, is there any way he runs point guard for you next year? Or are you just no way I'm out six man, that's it, or, or a small forward, Brad? You go first. <laughs> I got you. So <clears throat> Clear my throat for this one. I personally, if uh, Scoot Henderson's not in town, James Harden's not in town, I'm not mad at him playing point guard. I don't want people to be so, you know, honed in on the term point guard. You know, he's going to be out there starting. Um, he's going to be drilling the ball off the court. You know, he doesn't have to be, you know, a Chris Paul kind of player. I think he's utilized the right way. He can be an effective guy at that position. Um, again, all around player who's putting up 19, 5 and 5. Um, he has the tools to be a really good defender. Once he's locked in completely, his all-around game, and we're not just so focused on making him uh, a James Harden, Lodish kind of player, then he's going to be – I think he could be really good. But, I mean, obviously, if they get a guy like Scoot Henderson or, again, James Harden, I'm not mad at him being moved to the bench. I just want to see how he could be utilized differently because that's where I think his entire – just the way that people view him would change a lot. Um I, I, I really view it. That's why I'm, I'm really excited about this upcoming season uh, with Udoka, primarily for KPJ. I want to see how he looks under a new coach and uh, see if they can utilize him. Right yeah, I just I want to I see him in that structure. I also think one lens that we've been viewing KPJ through is, like you mentioned, Brad, the lens of this guy was not the face of the franchise. Don't, do not want to use that. But this guy had the highest usage rate after eight years with James Harden. So you're used to seeing James Harden do things with the basketball as a playmaker and things. Then you transition to a young guy, two and a half years now at the position, learning and developing. It's a big gap. The lens has to be different. You can't view them the same way. You can't view the position the same way. It's not, nor should it be heliocentric in the way James Harden was his last few years here. Um, that's one. Second, where I do see him as point guard, as a starter, I would say, is if they bring in a, a experienced veteran who is better coming off the bench and getting the second unit going, because that's where they struggled a lot last year was getting that second unit into good offensive actions. It was that Tari Eason, Usman Garuba, KJ Moore, Josh Christopher, Dacian Nix. They, they need structure in that lineup to me. So I think that's a priority. I think people have like a starting point guard. Yeah, I think that's important. You don't need to have a starter. You just need to have a, a, a guy who can run the offense off the bench and also can finish the game for you. Um, but I really I, – I, a lot of people are talking about James Harden. I think – not saying this exact player, but a player of the caliber of Tyus Jones who can start if needed, but it can also run and kind of handle your entire offensive, you know, load – not load in terms of scoring, but 
generating actions, generating plays, getting the team set in the second unit. I think that just provides so much more stability. Um, and so that's what I'm looking for and whoever they bring in as a point guard. Just kind of very similar to Tyus Jones in that way. Trey Jones from San Antonio, his brother, I really like a lot. I think he's a good example of a guy who you can bring in, can score, has a little nice little floater game going on, but is also very much a pass-first point guard, wants to get going, can score. Like I said, can score, can shoot, whatever, but pass-first. So that's what I'm looking looking at. Now, but to answer your question, I can't see him start next season, but it's just going to depend on the type of point guard they bring in. Like I'm not necessarily – I, I think the whole James Harden thing, I would say, is like a. I, I'm not going to say it's like a definitive thing. Where there's smoke, there's fire. I'd probably just say it's 50 50, but like, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? And if he doesn't come in and there's no Scoot Henderson, then you have Kevin Porter Jr. and you have to bring in somebody, right? Are you? Is this team ready? And this is a question I wish was asked to Ime. And I'm sure we'll ask him towards draft night and Rafael draft night. But how does he view the offensive system? Is. Who, what is the hierarchy? Is it Alperin Shangun? Is it Kevin Porter Jr.? Is Jalen Green? I think that's also one thing Ime Yudoka will provide some clarity on. Under Steven Silas, we had no idea. The whole the whole thing about head honcho. It changed every minute. Yeah. It'll, doing doing something with, or with this team requires having a hierarchy, having a structure in place, right? And I think just figuring out where Kevin Porter Jr. lies in that structure will give us a really good idea of how they view the draft and free agency moving forward. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm I'm the same way. Like I said, my um, it, it's 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 both a combination of, I believe, because like Ime Udoka didn't have the traditional point guard in Boston. He had Marcus Smart, and Marcus Smart's able to, like I said, make make good reads. He I've watched him in the playoffs. He's someone you can put the ball in his hands at the end of the shot clock and and, and expect um, when it matters most uh, the right decision to be made. So Marcus Smart, while he's not a true point guard, he's still someone who can make the right decision. But he's not he's not the like Rockets fans have been wanting the the cerebral guy, right? And that's not who Marcus Smart is. Um, and so Yudoka has made that work. Now, I do believe a huge reason for that working is the defensive effort that Marcus Smart brings. I, I think KPJ will have to – not necessarily he's going to be a deep point candidate, but he will have to step it up from a defensive standpoint. Um, if he does want to continue to start on the team, in a backcourt next to Jalen Green, who may or may not be the world's best defender when it's all said and done. Um, but my, my two ways of, of looking at it, like I said, I think – if James Harden is here, that's for sure the point guard, no questions asked. Um, and if Scoot Henderson comes, that's the point guard, no questions asked. But I look at like the landscape of the NBA and who we can replace, you know, at point guard. If it's not Scoot Henderson, if it's not James Harden, uh, and like Tyus Jones is a name that comes up a lot too. But I've been I I I've been trying to like think of why Memphis would trade him, and I really can't think of a reason. And like I mean, especially I mean, with the whole Joss situation. Yeah, I was gonna say like what happened with Ja today. They might be without their starting point guard for. A huge chunk of next season so like i i think there's no reason they trade that guy now if there was ever a reason i think i think Ty, he's still in the country he's, he's on a, a, a really team-friendly contract he's considered the best backup point guard in the nba they're trying to win a championship i, I just don't see a world where they trade that guy and they let alone trade him to the rockets like i think they would trade him somewhere where they could get either equal or greater value um for him so i don't know about tyus jones um i've heard like d'angelo russell and fred van vliet out there, but I don't know how you feel about that, Ali Khan. I'm I'm personally good on both those, signing both those guys to 30 plus million contracts to come be the point guard of the Houston Rockets. Make sure I'd rather, you know, <laughs> stick it with KPJ if that's my option. Um, I've heard like um, Alex Caruso or um, all trade candidates, right? I mean, these are all. Yeah, I I, I want to throw a name out there that's not really talked about, but I personally like because I 
I like to watch him play. I think he did a good job defensively, especially the last few seasons, is um, Dennis Smith Jr. Now, this dude cannot is not a good shooter, but he has explosiveness. He averaged around five assists a game this past season. Um, he started when LaMelo was out. Um, I, I think Dennis Smith, in, in, you know how Rafael Stone talked about agent? He is a free agent. And so, you know how they talked, uh, Rafael Stone talked about like sell low. I mean, not sell low, sorry. Buy low and see if they can like, so produce, high. sell high. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Dennis was a good guy. You bring in him on, on a good, solid deal and let him earn his way into a longer term contract. I think Dennis Smith could be a good player for this team, honestly. So, um, he's somebody who I, I personally like. Now, he's not a starter. I don't really think there's a starter except Trey Jones is in restricted for agency. You have Dennis Schroeder, who I think will probably return to L.A. You have Russ, who probably will stay in L.A. as well. Um, Fred Van Fleet is that kind of golden question, depending on what happens with the coaching search um, in, in Toronto. But I, I think those fringe players, right, the guys who nobody, nobody's really talking about, I think is a is a really big thing, and that's kind of – a reason why I like Dennis Smith Jr. I think Dennis Smith, he's an unrestricted free agent. He's 25 years old. It's not going to cost much. Yeah. I, Gabe Vincent's about to be locked in for a long-term deal in Miami. Javon Carter, I think, has a player option. So it's like, you know, those are the options people are thinking about. But look at those. I, I would say because Rafael Stone kind of gave a nugget during his press conference. Or I think he – not a nugget in press He said – I think he did it to a Jonathan Fagan interview or – Radio. He said something about like the concept of kind of getting a player who they can they, they can see you know over over um, earn their contract or whatever. And, and I think Dennis Smith Jr. is is potentially one of those types of guys who can do that. The the point I was just trying to make. I'll let you go, Brad. That was the point I was just trying to make is that outside of James Harden, School Henderson, I don't see that many realistic names that are going to come to Houston this offseason and like. I'm like, yeah, that guy's better than KPJ. Because, like, in a vacuum, yeah, D'Angelo Russell is a better point guard. But mm-hmm. would I rather sign D'Angelo? Because it's going to go overpaid to bring that guy to, to get that guy to leave LA, right? So, yeah. Do I want, do I want to give D'Angelo Russell 30 plus million dollars a year to come point guard in Houston? Probably not. I like, I don't know how he likes I don't know how you feel about Fred, but I'm, I do not want Fred to lead on the Rockets. So, good on that. Um, if Tyus Jones was available, absolutely. I'd love to bring him to Houston. Like, even, even if he's not starting, I would love to bring him to Houston, like, let alone to be the starting point guard. Would love that, but I just don't see why Memphis is moving him, right? And so, like, makes no sense. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Um, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying that I think KPJ should be locked in at the position, but I think that I, I think you hit the head on the nail, Ali Khan, when you talked about for sure there needs to be a veteran presence at guard on this team, no matter whether it's starter or coming off the bench. There needs to be a veteran guard on this team in some kind of way. Um, who someone who can like almost get real minutes too, like not even just someone who can kind of come in and be like a like a DJ Augustine kind of role, a uh, vet mentor, right? I mean, like somebody who can actually like potentially play backup point guard for us like, for that second unit. So if we for sure need somebody like that who can kind of like bring KPJ and Jalen in the corner, like, hey, man, let's watch this film. Let's break this down. I talk about all the time, but uh, one that really stood out to me was uh, Darius Gone talks about Rajon Rondo breaking down film with him and that being one of the things that kind of helped help him take a leap as a point guard. Um, and so just having somebody like that of that mold kind of come in and like I said, nothing else be the backup mentor. I no no school no school no James Harden. I, I Patrick think Beverly. I would love Patrick Beverly. I would love Patrick. He's not necessarily the same kind of mold as like the before yeah. journal, but I would I would love. He's like he's a he's a, a culture setter. So I would love Patrick Beverly. If he's Let me give you a name real quick. Um, I've seen Rockets Twitter throw it around too. A guy who's really good at keeping his assist the turnover ratio. I, I know you're gonna say that guy. Say Morris. Say Morris. Yeah. Yes. I knew that's what you were gonna say. Assists, 
this past season, only one turnover, like literally 1.0 on the dot. That's extremely impressive. And that's a backup point that I would be cool. Um, it's a good example of a buy low candidate, right? Because Washington is going into a Washington is going into like a rebuilding situation with the new general manager. Depends on what they're going to do. Maybe the general manager is like, I want to play a different style of play. Yeah, and you can scoop Monty Morris for maybe like, I don't know, whatever asset you can give up. But I think that's a really good option. That's something to consider because he's on a low, uh, lower tier contract as well. Yeah, and also um, nine point eight million next year. So that's a guy they would have to trade for. But one thing I look at when I look at this Rockets team is, again, bad shooting team all around, um, bad defensive team. Um, or not defensive team. That's not my point I'm trying to make. But shooting-wise, they need to improve shooting-wise, and then they just turned the ball over too much. They didn't have enough assists. So Monte Morris is a guy that could be, you know, a trade candidate uh, for a backup point guard. I would like to see that. But, yeah. When it comes to this entire segment that we've been talking about, Kevin Porter Jr., I think we touched on a lot of great things. Um Talk about strengths, weaknesses, how he's going to improve with his new um, head coach. Um, Alicon, do you have anything else that you wanted to touch on? I, I, I just – I think let's see what happens with the draft lottery. Let's see what happens with the draft. But I, I think there's a lot of excitement that's warranted. I think fans have been wanting that excitement. So let's just – let's see what happens. But I think there are there are some good times coming. There's maybe a little requires a little more patience. But um, we've been patient for three years, right? Maybe – just giving a little bit more time to kind of see what's to come is a good thing. But um, it's really cool, man. It's really great seeing the excitement on Twitter. I just I, – I hope that divisiveness about players turns into just, like, people rooting for the team because sometimes I feel like the divisiveness, like, puts people, like, in, like, different, like, categories. Oh, I'm just rooting for this player's stats that night and whatever. Once a team starts winning, I hope that that all goes away, right, because then it's like – you're looking at the collective body, the collective unit kind of working together. So hopefully under email, under whoever players they bring in, we can kind of get back to that 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 type of conversation and dialogue, do more spaces like that. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm sure you guys you guys see stuff all the time. People people arguing, man. Like you talk about the divisiveness. I'm sure you guys hear it all the time, right? So it's um uh, I I love the passion and just hope hopefully for Rockets fans' sake, there's some success coming soon. So then the people can enjoy the success in the spaces versus just all the losses that we've been seeing. Definitely. Well, did you want to touch on anything else? No, nah, man. I think that was like, uh, we appreciate you for coming on the show. This was a really good episode. I think it was a lot of nuance to an otherwise nuanced list discussion. Um, so and we appreciate you and your time and we appreciate you uh, coming on, on the show. I mean, we're going to get you back on. Thanks, man. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, uh, one thing with Ali Khan, again, very, very good with his basketball X and, X and O. So definitely, again, tap in with his Twitter account. And we will be getting you back on the show because uh, I really enjoyed talking to you. Great insights. Yeah. Again, plays ran. Uh, a lot of people, it's hard to kind of get into those kind of topics when discussing basketball. Like you you know everything, you know, regarding those things. So props to you. We'll be talking to you soon. Um, and appreciate you guys for listening. We'll be back next Monday. <laughs>